Christ Church, New Malden, 16th of February 2020, 6.30 service. Tim Davis speaking in the series, Titles for Jesus, Son of David. Yeah, Son of David. Um, names, a weird name for Jesus, isn't it? Um, yeah, names are interesting, aren't they? Uh, as a child, I constantly wished that I'd been called something different because I never liked the name Timothy. It just sounded so not cool as a child growing up at school in the 80s. Uh, I, I regularly would wish I'd been called something different, you know, like, you know, but I never knew which name I'd prefer. I suddenly thought, would it be nice if I was called David or Philip or Simon or Andrew? You know, they all sounded much more normal, um, but at the same time, it was kind of difficult to imagine myself with those names because, well, my name was Timothy uh, until it very quickly became Tim, as far as I'm concerned and no one other than a handful of relatives would call me Timothy. Uh, Many still do. Um, But what if I started calling myself something completely different? Um, What if I had a nickname that had stuck from school onwards? You know, it could be a good one, it could be a bad one. Um, Some people have got, like, names or surnames that can be extended or truncated slightly colloquially. Um, and then I suppose the nearest I got was people calling me Timbo instead of Tim. But if you were a child in the 80s again, it was too much like Jimbo, the cartoon thing. So I just steered clear of that as much as I could. But then in the early 2000s, the early noughties, I became part of the leadership team at a CPAS um, Explorer Pathfinder children's camp that I used to help lead each summer. I'd been a leader there for many years and then I became part of their senior team. And for various historic reasons that I won't go into now, uh, the senior team were always known by different names, by kind of nicknames. Uh, and mine, I chose myself, was Chappie. Uh, nothing to do with dog food of the same name. Uh, again, I won't go into reasons, but I was Chappie. And as a result, ever since about 2003 or so, or 2002, there's just been this ever-growing number of people um, who have only ever known me as Chappie, um, even to the point that the co-leaders, uh, not to mention the children, would sometimes like, not even know or couldn't remember my actual real name. I was just Chappie to them. Um, yeah, I've been awkward conversations in the early days of Facebook when I send a friend request to someone who'd been a leader about five years ago at the camp, and I get a message back going, um, thanks for a friend request, but do I know you? Uh, I've got a few, f- I can see we've got a few friends in common, but I can't really work out who you are from your profile pic, and I don't think I know any Tim Davises. I reply back, hi, it's Chappie. Go, Chappie! Uh, so anyway, yeah, uh, my childhood wish came true, and I eventually got a new, different name for a while. Um, I don't do that camp anymore, uh, so none of you are allowed to call me Chappie, apart from possibly Stephen son James, who at least has been on that kids camp that I helped lead on. But I was thinking about that a bit and these different names when I was preparing the talk uh, for this evening and the weirdness of calling someone by a totally different name, Son of David. Um, Why was Jesus called Son of David? The first question you kind of ask is, shouldn't it not be the son of Joseph? Yeah, if if my endless intuitive stories tell me rightly, Joseph was, you know, yeah. um, you know, I think if, if I was Jesus and started, people started calling me the son of David, I, I'm pretty sure I'd be kind of like, I don't think you know what you're saying uh, because I certainly don't understand why you're calling me that. In fact, you might even have mistaken me for someone else whose father was David. Uh, but no, Jesus, Jesus knew exactly why he was referred to as the son of David. And we're going to have a brief look at that. Uh, Look at why he was called that and what this title means, both 2,000 years ago and today. 
So Jesus is called the son of David several times, about like 14, 15, 16, 17, or so in the New Testament. Uh, and in the Bible, you know, the term son can have several meanings. Uh, so although it can refer to the immediate and biological son of an earthly father, for example, son of Joseph, um, it can also have other meanings. The proper understanding of Jesus as the son of David is found both in this kind of literal and theological interpretation in the Bible uh, and in the title. Taken literally, Jesus was a direct descendant of David, King David, David who defeated Goliath, the king of Israel. And when Matthew began his gospel, he started with an abbreviated family line, this genealogy of Jesus, noting his connections with both Abraham and David. For most readers of the Bible, reading a genealogy is about as exciting as watching paint dry. Uh, but I actually really like the two ones in the Bible because we get to see this history of Jesus' ancestry all the way back to the beginning. And you can look and see all these people's names who crop up in the genealogy. Oh, I recognize that person. Oh, I know that person. They, they, I know their story. And you can see how the events and these people's lives were crucial for leading ultimately to the birth of David, uh, of Jesus, sorry. And this is exactly how the New Testament begins in chapter 1 of Matthew's Gospel. His Gospel begins, This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram. Don't worry, I'm leaving it there. I'm not going to the whole genealogy. And so it goes on until we get to verse 16. And eventually it comes to, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Thus there were 14 generations in all, from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. Matthew followed this genealogy of Jesus through Joseph, focusing on Joseph as a son of Jacob, who was descended from the family line of Solomon, King David's son. Uh, in contrast, actually, the genealogy in Luke's gospel was slightly different. Uh, if you look at it in chapter 3 and compare it, it also notes this literal family line going back to King David, but it offers the family line of Jesus from Mary's family. And so both sides of the family, you can see, of Jesus descended from David. So when people referred to Jesus as the son of David, they, they were quite correct in addressing Jesus by this ancestral title. And of course, you know, anything important is going to typically be referred to in society. You know, imagine contemporary society. Like, oh, there goes David, the uh, grandson of the Earl of Winchester. It's not just David. It's David, the grandson of the Earl of Winchester. Uh, don't actually bother looking at There is no such thing as the Earl of Winchester. It hasn't been a title for over 500 years. Um, but, you know, there is, of course, something about showing off how you're descended from royalty and a famous lineage. Um, whenever I have a kind of getting-to-know-you activity at work somewhere, so you've got to say three things about you, one of which is untrue. One of the things I always say about myself is my great-great-great-great-great-grandfather, apparently, was the Lord Mayor of London. And people never know if that's true or not, but it's a nice thing to show off, isn't it? Um, but, you know, because there is something about showing off that you're descended from royalty. But in Matthew's case, it's not a question of showing off. Matthew's highlighting Jesus' royal origin, his background. But he's also indicating that Jesus was a bona fide Israelite. 
by looking at both David and Abraham as his sons. Both of these, son of David, son of Abraham, were fairly stock phrases in which a son means descendant, calling to mind, in the sense, the promises God made to both David and Abraham. Um, But I'd say for a Jewish person in Jesus' day, both this genealogy and the title, son of David, would have had much more attention-grabbing power than it might seem to us now. It, It would have summed up all the hopes and expectations about what God had been promising to do in their lives ever since the time of Abraham. And it would have been triumphantly announced that God's plan had come to completion in their own lifetime because here was the son of David, the promised Messiah, the one who had come to save the Jewish people, the one who was promised to be a direct descendant of King David. If you look back in the Old Testament and see the prophet Samuel saying these words to David, He said, the Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod wielded by men with floggings inflicted by human hands. But my love will never be taken away from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom shall endure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Looking further at some of the prophecy in the Old Testament, one of the readings we often hear for, at Christmas time from Isaiah, it says, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, from his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest, of him, will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The spirit of counsel and of might. The spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. David was the son of Jesse, and this descendant of his would be the Messiah. It was prophesied that the Messiah would be born in the town of David, Bethlehem. So Jesus was not just this literal son of God, but spiritually, theologically, he came as the promised Messiah. He came as the fulfillment of the promise to David by God through the prophet Samuel. He came as a fulfillment of the prophecies spoken by Isaiah and the other prophets. And so when people called Jesus son of David, they may have just been repeating what perhaps they'd heard others say about Jesus. But I think it's fair to say that many of them also really believed that Jesus was in fact the promised Messiah in the here and now with them. For example, in Matthew chapter 15, there's the story of blind Bartimaeus. He refers to Jesus as the son of David when he asked for his sight because he knew only Jesus alone could heal him. Others who sought healing from Jesus also used this title in their pleas. And as heard in our first reading, the, cries, cr- the crowds cried out, Hosanna to the son of David. As he entered into Jerusalem, at no stage either does Jesus claim not to be this promised Messiah. He, I think he even teases the Jewish leaders with it as he hints at his identity in the second reading that we had. Now, he asks 
the people. He asks why people say the Messiah is called the son of David. But in this case, it's a small s for son, meaning presumably the actual son of David. He points out that David says, the Lord said to my Lord. God is addressing somebody that David refers to as my Lord. You wouldn't call your own son my Lord, especially if you happen to be the king. So how can this son, Jesus asked, be the Lord, the Messiah? Now, I like the crowd, I like to imagine kind of the crowd murmuring, you're right, it couldn't have been David's immediate son, but it's got to be someone else. But perhaps it is this person, this Jesus here. Maybe he is the actual promised Messiah, son of David. I like to imagine this kind of wry smile on Jesus' lips, maybe a little wink, but not saying anything. But of course, others might not have been so delighted as the crowd. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, he was acknowledged as a king. He was welcomed as a king. The crowd gave him the royal treatment by laying down their garments in front of him, some palm leaves with others waving them. And they cried, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. As he rides into Jerusalem, the central location and focus of this Jewish faith it's a city under occupation by the Romans, but assisted by the Jewish leaders because it also served their own self-interest to do so. And yet here is someone being welcomed as a king and from the royal line of David, you know, someone who might actually genuinely have a rightful claim to be the king of Israel. That was a massive threat potentially to the Romans because here was someone who could actually unite and stare up the Jewish people and lead a rebellion against them. And as a leader of the Jewish people, this promised Messiah, that's not what they want. And so the Jewish leaders too who hated Jesus because he didn't show them the honour they thought they deserved. In fact, he called them out on their flaws and their faults and their absolute hypocrisy publicly they realize they have to maybe use this turn the tables against jesus they say well he can't be the messiah so if he says he is then it's blasphemy and that's how we'll get rid of him by a charge of blasphemy and he'll be put to death and no more of this upsetting the order i think when people say that it was judas who betrayed and got jesus killed i think we probably need to look back a few days it's not unfair to say that without knowing it the crowd probably sealed Jesus' fate. But I want to focus on what they said at that point and see how we understand what it means for Jesus to be the Son of God, the Son of David, the Messiah, a King. It said, The crowd cried, Hosanna. Hosanna to the Son of David. I can go back actually. Uh, Hosanna, it's, it's an odd word. It's a cry of praise, but it's, it's one that means save us, deliver us. To use it as a form of praise means to acknowledge that the recipient is the one who is going to save, the one who is going to do the saving. Jesus was the Messiah. He was to be the king. But both the crowd and the Romans and the Jewish leaders got it wrong as to the type of king he would be. 
This was no ordinary king, if a king can ever be described as ordinary. But it was not the king that the Romans feared. He wasn't there to lead a rebellion against them, but to bring an end to rebellion against God. The crowd thought Jesus was the Messiah who would save them from oppression and lead them to freedom in the promised land once again. But Jesus was not the Messiah they were expecting him to be. He was, he is, much more than that. They were looking for a leader, but instead they got a redeemer. This is why the title Son of David matters to us. Because until this moment in time, we didn't understand what God was doing when he promised that Messiah would come and bring salvation to all. It wasn't about who was in charge here on earth, or it wasn't about what part of the world you lived in and called home. It was about more than that. The Romans were not the biggest threat to the Jews. Sin was the greater enemy. Sin held all of us in captivity, unable to be welcomed into God's kingdom. His perfect love couldn't be spoilt by our imperfect sin, but his perfect love could overcome this and pay the price once and for all. Jesus came as a king, but not an earthly king, as we might expect, but as the king, the Lord over all, who would lead all to salvation. We think about the different names we give to Jesus, and each one of them means something important, something special, something different to us. Friend, saviour, son of God, Christ, the good shepherd. But when we think of his title as a king, as proclaimed by the people when they shouted, Hosanna to the son of David, we need to acknowledge what that means in our lives. It means Jesus is Lord over all. And that means he must be sovereign over every aspect of our lives. We can't ignore his commandments to us because he is Lord over all. When Jesus says we must love one another, we must do so because he is king of our lives. When Jesus says we must repent and say sorry for the wrong things we do, we must do so because he is Lord over all. When he says go the extra mile, when he says turn the other cheek, when he says care for the poor and needy, when he says stop obsessing over money and wealth, when he says forgive, when he says let your light, the light of God, shine in this world, we do so because Jesus, the son of David, the Messiah, the saviour of the world, is our heavenly king and we owe him all the glory and honour and praise that's due his name.